Welcome to the Town's Learning Show podcast series, episode 46, with independent learning tech analyst John Lay. Today, I interview Chris Carr, head of learning and development at Five Star Senior Living, about the challenges, solutions, technology, and content needed to manage compliance in the age of COVID. You'll find more of our free content at talentlearning.com. Well, welcome back, listeners, to the Talented Learning Show podcast. On this show, I'm fortunate to interview the world's leading experts in learning technology solutions from both the vendor and the practitioner perspectives. Today is no different. From the practitioner side of the expert equation, we have Chris Carr, head of learning and development for Five Star. Chris has been head of learning there for over four years as he's led the transformation from a decentralized to a centralized training function in terms of technology, content, and processes. Uh, he's also been an adjunct professor in management at Suffolk University for 22 years, senior director of global learning and organizational development at BNY Mellon for 10 years, and prior to that, he was a director at Fidelity for 13 years. Wow, what a resume. Well, unless you've been living under a rock, senior living centers you, you would know that senior living centers have been on the front lines of the COVID battle since the beginning of the pandemic, driving training requirements and lots of needed change of behaviors. But senior living centers also have significant, long before that, significant governmental and organizational compliance regulations that differ from location to location. Successfully managing all those requirements, the regulations, the content takes some serious know-how, technology, processes, and forethought. Well, luckily for us, Chris Carr knows all about it, and he's going to share uh, his best practices, knowledge, and experience in leading a transformation from a decentralized to a centralized uh, training environment in a highly regulated uh, industry. And I'm thrilled to have Chris here today. Chris, welcome to the Talented Learning Show. Hey, thanks a lot, John. I really appreciate you having me um, on the show. I'm really looking forward uh, to having this chat with you over the next uh, 30 minutes. So. Listen, if you have a question for me, shoot away. All right. I got questions. I got more questions than we have time uh, for sure, but it's going to be great catching up. Uh, you and I have worked together in a in uh, another capacity, and so I've been following your organization for the last few years and the progress that you're making as an organization and in uh, training and development uh, in general. So uh, looking forward, just like my guests and uh, the audience here, is to getting a good update. But for those who don't know who you are, and unless uh, – which is easy to do, uh, no matter, even though that you're a really big organization. Um, but if I guess if you're not uh, looking at or uh, evaluating senior living centers, it's easy not to know uh, about your organization. So why don't you t we take a, a step back, tell us about Five Star, give us the, the history and the mission of the organization, and then we'll dive down into training from there. That's great, John. Um, yeah, so uh, Five Star Senior Living has been uh, around as a, a leader in senior living. Uh, for over 20 years, um, and so uh, the focus for Five Star and the operating model is um, we have over 140 communities, uh, just probably across just over 30 states. Wow! Um, and that's a um, it's a reduction in our focus of communities, but uh, we have a um, a core competency of focusing on independent living communities, uh, as well as assisted living communities, and finally, uh, a strong focus on communities with memory care. And wow. um, yeah, so again, probably we're at about 140 communities to date, um, which probably we have about, um, uh, about 15,000 team members um, across those, uh, those communities. Wow. Wow. That's yeah. a lot. So 15,000 people is, uh, I would imagine, uh, the, the training mission in general 
uh, considering your industry is going to be uh, pretty regulated and, and formalized. Why don't you tell me about uh, uh, these 15,000 employees and, and how you how you train them? What's, uh, yeah, what's, sure. what's going on? Well, you know, our mission for our organization um, is to honor and enrich the journey of life, one experience at a time. And that has a dual focus. One is on our residents uh, that we that we care for and uh, enhance their experiences. But it also is a mission uh, that represents our team members as well. And we're constantly looking to um, evolve uh, the experiences working at Five Star, mm. um, evolve their development and evolve their careers. So when I started uh, with Five Star just over four years ago, there wasn't any true infrastructure uh, for learning. And what I wanted to do is, is set out by uh, setting up a mission for learning uh, within Five Star. And so we built that uh, infrastructure as a shared service for all of our team members. And our mission is to continually enhance the knowledge, the skills, and the careers and engagement of our team members uh, in the relentless pursuit of outstanding service to our residents. So we find that that is uh, very similarly connected to our organization's mission. But we also, John, we wanted to create a purpose, right? A reason for being um, a learning entity at Five Star. And that is to identify the critical areas of development uh, to further the vision uh, of our goal. And our goal is to be a pinnacle of learning in the industry. Right? It's, uh, we want to attract and we want to retain great talent. Uh, we want to enable our team members to learn quickly and efficiently and provide them the timely resources to do so. Um, and, that, and, and that will allow us to help them enhance their experience, their careers, uh, and we measure our success uh, through employee engagement and also through our resident um, surveys as well. Wow, outstanding. Yeah. Outstanding. Are those uh, team members always employees or is there other audiences uh, uh, that, that are there like contractors or visiting nurses or things like that that aren't yeah. yours? Yeah, super question. Our audience uh, it mainly is our team members. Right? Mm -hmm. They are the customers of learning and development, but we do um, have some uh, contractors come in and, and leverage our uh, training resources, as well as uh, you think about uh, some of the resources, the human resources we have out in the communities, which are CNAs and others that uh, that come on for a, uh, a short period of time. We, mm -hmm. we provide those um, folks the, uh, the training resources as well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, our audience, typically in my career, you know, having grown up in the financial services, uh, our audience was always fairly simple, right? It was those new, new employees coming in and, and they had some sort of career track in financial services. But when I joined Five Star and started to learn, wow, what a, what a vast array of audience I have for learning. My customers, my customers are, are dishwashers. My customers are servers. They're chefs. They're maintenance staff. Um, they're also, uh, they're, they're chief executives of their own communities. They have a tremendous uh, amount of responsibility within the communities. And, and not only 
not only out in the communities, we also have a corporate office that um, uh, that hosts about uh, 150 to 160 team members, and we support um, all of the the community efforts uh, in functions. And you think about uh, who those uh, corporate functions represent. It's uh, human resources. It's it's finance. It's um, uh, sales and marketing and it's compliance and legal. And so those are our audience as well. Not only the people in those functions, but also the initiatives that are being rolled out uh, to the community. So there is a tremendous array of, um, of audience size, the breadth and the depth of it. And so that was something we really needed to get our arms around as mm. we were building the infrastructure for learning at Five Star. Mm -hmm. Is there also the medical, uh, you, you mentioned a lot of the, the dishwashers and, and the maintenance staff, but what about medical staff also? Are they in your audience? Yeah, well, I was kind of saving that for oh. what drove our <laughs> LMS strategy, but I'm glad you brought it up because uh, not only um, Five Star have those, uh, those roles within the communities, but we also, um, at the time that we were uh, looking to evolve learning, had about 5,000 clinical staff members um, wow. as team members at Five Star. And those roles, you know, for RNs and um, the CNA roles and others in between, our health and wellness team was pretty much 5,000 strong. So uh, they have been our priority focus in, uh, in driving the learning strategy uh, when we first kicked it off. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I would imagine uh, that with RNs, certified nursing assistants, health and wellness, uh, maintenance folks, director of your own facilities, uh, 130 uh, or 140 communities in 30 different states, that translates to uh, some compliance uh, maintenance, <laughs> nightmare maintenance. Tell, tell, us, tell us about that. Like how standard, how homogenous or uh, not homogenous uh, is the training as you look out across these different states and locations. Yeah, you know, I think that was probably one of my biggest surprises, John, is to learn um, the compliance requirements uh, for a senior living company. And not just simply uh, regulatory from a federal standpoint, but it was state uh, requirements that were driving the need for training for our clinical team members. So you can just imagine across 32 states, we had 32 sets of training plans for all of those uh, team members uh, within those states. And you know, thinking about, boy, how did we how did we successfully train our team members without having a more centralized approach? Was uh, we we relied heavily uh, on those communities within the states to uh, understand what the state requirements were and build some training to support uh, their team members and in, in making sure that they were compliant within mm -hmm. those regulations. So coming in, and my goal was to centralize the training function. And now here I am charged with how do I centralize a training function with 32 states yeah. that are running um, not homogeneously um, at all, but um, quite differently. Uh, so that's when we started to think, well, I think we, we truly need to have a, a technology that can help us drive our mission uh, for learning. And that's when we just started to put our plan together and just mm -hmm. uh, understanding more about the compliance 
uh, attributes of, um, of, of now my role and also the requirements of our clinical team members, not just for state requirement purposes, but also for certifications, mm. CEU credits that were, were maintaining their certifications, licensure was also another driving factor for mm -hmm. um, for pulling together a, a more centralized approach to uh, supporting our team members. Mm -hmm. So what comes first, Chris? Was it, did you need the technology to manage the different states, location, roles, training plan, skills, and competencies? Or did you need to first identify what all that was on paper or whatever other system, and then go look for a technology to support it? How'd you, Great. What, what's your thoughts on that? Super question. And an easy one for me, John, because my approach is always inside out. Um, it's understanding what our requirements are and talking with our leadership teams and those others within the functions to truly get a, an understanding of what their jobs, their role is, their um, uh, what, what they're tasked to do on a daily basis and really get into the weeds. Uh, and I, don't, I just don't think that there's any way around that. Mm -hmm. um, so it's an inside out approach. And um, so uh, thinking the that my first customer would be the head of health and wellness. So I got a, got a good understanding uh, from her team's perspective, what are their challenges? What are, what, are, what are their needs? What are their challenges out in the communities uh, within the clinical role? And then I sort of spread my wings um, now working with other heads of departments, um, you know, heads of sales, uh, head of marketing, head of finance, head of HR, mm -hmm. and understanding what their training requirements were. And it's not just the clinical teams in, in, in the communities, but it's also going to the COO, the head of operations, to understand what, what are the training requirements for the rest of our team members at the community level. So there was a tremendous amount of legwork, upfront work to um, identify the proper people to be having these conversations with, what's the right process, what's the right information I need to gather to help um, mm -hmm. build a business case um, to, to move our strategy forward. So that took a, that took a good uh, six, seven, eight months to, uh, to work through that process. But, you know, in hindsight, it was the right one because that gave us um, a list of requirements. As you'll know um, quite well, that um, we shared those with you um, as we started on a journey, but um, I, I feel is the right place to start. We could not have identified a solution to answer problems that we didn't know that we had yet. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, that makes sense. So as you made your pivot then uh, from decentralized to centralized, you did your homework in the design and identification stage to get to your requirements. So tell us uh, where you ended up here. You know, what, what's the, what, what technology, you don't necessarily have to say which particular one, but what was mm -hmm. the technology from a, a, a high level standpoint that you identified that would be able to, to support all your, your needs here? Right. So as we uh, coordinated all of the needs, and I, I will say an important piece of the process here is uh, is engagement, right? So that you're truly getting the um, the requirements from those that understand it well, right? And um, so, and I learned a ton along the way, like I said, from a financial services background, my first time in senior living, 
but the, the the thing I could bring that was consistent was uh, was process. So we worked with the right process, engaging the right people, and I am I. It didn't take me long to figure out that we were now looking at a content-driven strategy, right? Mm -hmm. It wasn't a platform-driven strategy. It was finding the right uh, provider, the right partner that could give us the content that would immediately satisfy the state regulatory requirements. That um, in, in, at the time, there was a stronger uh, focus on what we call uh, the CMS, which is the Center for Medicaid and Medicare Services. And they were tightening the requirements, the, the, uh, the, the training requirements for senior living um, staff. And so that provided us a much clearer focus on where we needed to land um, as we as we um, ended our journey here. So it was it was purely um, content driven, but it wasn't it wasn't just clinical content because I wanted to be uh, not only supporting our clinical teams, but also building their capabilities around professional development, management development, and leadership. And so I was also looking for a partner that could provide us that content. Now, if you recall, my team wasn't very big and it's still not very big. Uh, we have uh, an instructional designer now on staff, but we couldn't, um, as, as you can imagine, with 15,000 team members and all of these tremendously different roles, uh, we could not build content uh, internally and place it on a platform. So we were looking also for a partner that could satisfy uh, not only the clinical requirements, but also um, the requirements to help us evolve our competency framework. Because we did a, a lot of work in designing competencies for our different levels of leadership. So we wanted, we wanted uh, a partner to provide us some content that would align nicely uh, with those frameworks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we did, we went through the process. Um, and we narrowed down um, to, I think, coming out of the gate through uh, the RFP process, it was about four or five different vendors that would satisfy our needs, but not one satisfied all of them, right? Um, so um, thank you for working with us through this process. Um, I don't think we could have started the process without you, by the way. And um, in, you know, from start to finish to the day that we signed the contract, um we um you know we appreciated your leadership through that but it got us to the right solution there's no doubt in my mind that um the the vendor chosen was the right one for us mm -hmm. and it um it certainly has been a leader in the senior living industry as well so uh we were able to to gather some best practices from them as we implemented the platform and um and today i mean we still work with them extremely closely. We we have meetings weekly. Uh, they have a relationship manager working with us. We have the, our manager of LMS working uh, directly with them. Um, and also what's really pretty rich is that we, we tend to build some proprietary content uh, ourselves, but we know that would be relevant uh, within the industry. And we're able to share some of that content with our, our vendor so that they would uh, build some modules that not only would be um, supporting Five Star, but others in the industry as well. Wow, that's cool. neat. Yeah. Backwards share, backwards yep. share. So from all the, the, the content requirements, 
of uh, from a regulatory standpoint that you're covering. How much of that out, out of the whole pie of content is that about what like eighty or ninety percent, half of your content? The, the yeah, plug, plug in the regulatory because you mentioned at the very beginning about the need to develop your uh, employees as really part of your core mission and strategy and right. goal. And that seems like not regulatory content to me. So I'm curious of what that mix is. So uh, turning the clock back to early 2020, um, and this is when the CMS requirements were just starting to take effect. It was actually in November of 2019. And so we we needed to be, we needed to have this content up and running to support our, our clinical team members. And so that has, that was originally our focus. So as you can imagine, you know, our marketing in our, our awareness sessions and our adoption was focused on these clinical team members. So the, the usage was really um, probably about 95% in clinical. And then our, our, our plan was to start lessening that percentage to be more broadly um, uh, distributed across the other, you know, so for management and professional development, building programs that we could uh, provide for our existing managers and mm-hmm. also for those that are just stepping into the supervisory or manager role. So we had programs defined in the curriculum defined for it. And then something happened in 2020 that just shifted our focus. I know something you don't. Happened? Yeah, yeah, just some, some little thing called a pandemic. And so, um, there's there's so much I can get into about uh, our strategy there, but just to to stay on on track for your question, is that we we anticipated going from you know an 85 to 90 percent uh, usage of our clinical teams to more of a 50 percent, being 50 50, where the rest of our team members were leveraging um, our LMS for their developmental purposes and also for our functional initiatives. And we started to trend in that direction. And then, you know, we, we got involved in, in 2020, which, again, we needed to pivot in a different way, um, leveraging the technology. And I'll say, if we didn't have the LMS in place at that time, we, we really would have been in a big mess. Uh, compliance-wise, support-wise, and just not providing the right level of training for our team members to do the right thing for our residents. Mm-hmm. Well, me and everybody else uh, w- was watching at the beginning of the pandemic when uh, senior living centers, uh, in general, of, of all types, run the uh, you know, on the front page or uh, you know on the highlights of the news every, every single day. And so, the perfect timing uh, as you roll into that. Uh, so, what changed? You know, you said you wouldn't have been able to do it without an LMS before. Like, what new requirements came in? Like, what did you have to worry about? You know a year ago that you didn't have to worry about three years ago. Yeah, I I mean, so you think about uh, what was going on in a senior living community with um, the the different uh, requirements, the processes that were changing. Now, families were not able to visit their family members. Um, There were, uh, the COVID was fairly new and nobody knew um how fast or or how it could spread um our team members were concerned about their own safety and in you know coming into work and and what was the right protocol to do that we were just figuring that out 
as we, you know, we would get notifications uh, from the CDC or other um, other regulators, and we would be changing direction, not a daily basis, but sometimes hourly. So we needed to get that. We needed to create some training. We needed to uh, distribute that training. It was almost real time. And the, the the cool thing by having the right partner is about um, having some requests go in their direction to say we we truly need a um, uh, some content uh, developed around PPE, the proper use of PPE, right? So how to put a gown on, how to put gloves on, um, and again sanitizing a a um, a residence um, apartment. What's the right way? What do we use? Some of it was proprietary. We built it. We got it out there. Others were um, supported by our our LMS provider, and it this just seemed to go on, John. You know, for weeks and months, and just forever. So our focus was not so much management leadership in in professional development, and it was a little lesser on focus on health and wellness, but more so supporting our community team members on the things that they needed to do mm-hmm. to not only um, stay safe, but, you know, keep our residents safe. And uh, it was just a whole new world and we were able to pivot. And if we were working in an environment that didn't allow us the reach by using technology, we would have been I mean, old school, sending out PowerPoint presentations, talking points to our community leaders and say, host a team meeting. Mm-hmm. But now we were able to real time be able to assign a, a mandatory, uh, very quick hit. You know, it could have been a micro video that we recorded and sent it to our uh, frontline team members that could open it up on their mobile device and just immediately get the information they needed on how to properly uh, clean a residence apartment uh, or something similar. So we were able to quickly uh, react, develop, and deliver uh, to our team members. And without the technology, we wouldn't able to have really been as successful as we have been. Wow, outstanding! Wow, outstanding. Yeah. Has that slowed down now? You think uh, these changes have the CDC stabilized a little bit at this point, or no? They have. So at the, at that time, we were hosting. Um, uh, we were, as a leadership team, we were coming together to to get the most recent updates. And then for me as a head of learning was, okay, what what do we need now to do to change either our approach, our process, uh, what's different in the roles out in the communities and, and change some of the, uh, the training. Um, certainly that has all slowed down. And um, I, I, I knock on my wooden table here that uh, we, we stay steady and um, uh, that we, we we don't go back into uh, where we came from. But uh, that has the, the slowness in that focus has given us more um, ability to focus on, again, the development of, of people's skill sets, their knowledge, mm-hmm. their um, uh, their careers uh, in general. Uh, but, you know, we've changed the way in which we train people uh, just through this process. We were able to. Uh, understand in, in the adoption of our platform, we we quickly got to that metric to see uh, how many users we had, how many people would uh, 
uh, know how to log in. Um, if they didn't, they learned very quickly. So it it expedited our plan for adoption. Um, mm-hmm. But coming out on the other side of it, we now have that ability to to create training and knowing that our frontline staff have a firm understanding of what Relias is and how we use it. Mm-hmm. Wow, excellent. Excellent. You mentioned um, uh, the little micro bursts of, of video. Just, uh, just real quick, we're running out of time, but just a, an overview of what type of content is really popular now. Like, uh, is that is that what the, your workers want? Video burst, or do you do you have to send them these yeah. regulations in written format? Or you know, what, what no, it's um, we we try um, we try so many different uh, modalities in in delivering training, and you know sometimes for the same messaging we use different. Uh, training delivery methods. So, uh, but we do find that these um, uh, micro videos, uh, micro learning uh, has been uh, a tremendous uh, approach. Whereas maybe a year ago or a year and a half ago, we would uh, be creating either a recorded PowerPoint presentation or even, you know, physically a, a, um, uh, a video through Camtasia uh, that would be 30 minutes, 40 minutes long. And, you know, in the eyes of when we used to train at 60 to 90 minutes, we said, boy, that's, uh, that's, that's a micro. quick hit. <laughs> well, not really, not anymore. It's uh, the quick hits are probably no longer than seven minutes long. Oh. Uh, and we find that we, we now create a series of, um, of micro uh, videos. And we use our platform much like you would a YouTube channel. So you just sort of plug in the search and all of a sudden you're, you're pop, popping up a seven minute um, overview or video of a process versus a, a PowerPoint recorded session that you needed to listen to for 40 minutes to get uh, two minutes worth of content. Wow, wow, yeah. interesting. Modernization, you went from sure. decentralization to microburst <laughs> videos right. all in four short years. That's great. Competency frameworks, uh, role-based uh, training, aligning that across multiple locations, figuring out how to plug it with content, doing it wisely by plugging it with content that already exists and only developing what you have to, deploying an LMS, rolling that out, getting successful. That's a lot of work. You're doing great. We're just getting warmed up, John. <laughs> just get warmed up. That's great. So say you are uh, last question here. Uh, so say uh, you're you're Chris Carr from uh, four years ago, and you're working at an organization uh, that uh, is decentralized. But now we're in the age of post-COVID. There's a lot of organizations that had a fight through COVID in your industry and out uh, and out. I'm sure that had a lot of manual decentralized processes. And uh, I guess my question for you, or my question is, what's your best advice that you would give to, to somebody in that situation, the you of four years ago, based on everything that you learned uh, here in the last four years? Wow, super question. I've learned a lot. Um, I probably learned more over the last four years than I did my entire career, to be quite mm-hmm. honest with you, because we we had a lot of things thrown at us that uh, we we didn't we didn't readily know the answer. So you could have the greatest plan on paper um but you know until it's fully executed um it's really not an executable strategy so i i would say you know continue down the path that you would pre-covid right and and the important thing is to understand what your business problems are right so when you think about a, a strategy it's about understanding it's about solving problems for your constituents understand what they are 
right? Mm -hmm. And if unless you know that, then you can't truly begin to create a learning strategy. And one thing that I, I realized is that, you know, until you do that, you don't need an LMS because you don't necessarily have identified the problems to solve for, right? An LMS mm -hmm. is not your strategy. An mm -hmm. LMS is components of your overall strategy. And, and the other thing that I would say, make sure you have a plan, right? Make sure that you are talking directly with your leadership teams so that they understand that you know what you're doing. Right? Yeah. That that they can have confidence in you and uh, exploring this journey of a learning ecosystem. And and that's one thing that I did is I always opened up my conversations by by having a visual of what this all could look like, right, um, on the other side. So I was able to, to tell a story about what success looks like for Five Star mm -hmm. in their uh, learning ecosystem. And then it's the basics about conducting your, tra your training needs assessment. Um, um, and I think the other thing is understanding your audience, right? It's, it's understanding the capabilities of those that will be using a learning management system because you need to, you need to understand the functionality. And, and if you have a functionality that your audience can't learn and use, then you haven't really done your due diligence. So, um, and I'd say one last thing, uh, two two things, if I could. Um, understand your own team within L&D, because if you don't have the right human capital to support a learning management system for the organization, you're going to fail, right? Mm -hmm. you, you're not going to have the, the right people in the right places to evolve your learning strategy and the learning management system within that. And I think the most important thing um, out of everything is how important it is to communicate. Not only communicate to your, your CEO and the executive team, among your peers, among your team, but communicate to the users, communicate mm -hmm. across the organization, um, communicate the successes, celebrate the successes, and be extremely reactive to those that don't necessarily understand how to use the system get them correct that immediately but communicate consistently we created a communication plan uh, we executed it we we uh, merged it in with our old our, our holistic communication strategy across the uh, the organization so um, though that would be the advice I would have for anybody that's um, looking to uh, to jump into this journey but it's been a great one for me and it's a continuous learning process for me and i'm looking forward to what's next wow wow great stuff sage advice chris carr head of learning and development five star senior living uh fascinating conversation thanks for taking the time i know you're really busy to come here and just share uh share everything from uh what the problems are to your journey and you know, what you did great uh, and successfully here to, to help us all along. So great conversation. Thank you very much, Chris. Thanks for having me, John. Appreciate it. You bet. Listeners, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Talent of Learning show. Uh, we hope to see you on our next. Uh, you can find more of our free content at talentoflearning.com. Have a great day, everyone.